You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Fulford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. First, uh, giving honor to Pastor Jomo and uh, Pastor Charmaine, I never uh, take for granted the opportunity to speak in front of your people. Um, uh, welcome to the streaming audience. Uh, we're going to go through a lot of material today, uh, but if you go to lfcc.tv forward slash Bible study, the notes are available. Uh, if you don't have them in the sanctuary, the notes are available there as we push through um the children can now be released to children's ministry i want to make sure i mention that i got notes today y'all um <laughs> and i'm excited for what god is going to do for us today let's start with the vision and read to equip people with all the knowledge of God's word, to empower people to seek God's face in daily prayer, to encounter and be filled with the Holy Spirit, to evangelize our community, our county, and our country, to embrace every person in godly love, for God is love, for each one to reach one. Amen. Amen. And we will do, this is my Bible. So if you have your Bible, your notes, your electronic Bible, however you do it, and let's make this faith confession. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I believe that my life will never be the same after hearing and doing the living word of God. Amen. Amen. So tonight, <laughs> I have been tasked with the challenge of going through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, for those of you who don't know, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the longest chapter in the New Testament. Amen. So we're going <laughs> to do some reading. Um, but I decided to group it around a couple questions. So tonight's topic, we're going to discuss five resurrection questions and give their answer, all right? 
So um, as we move into 1 Corinthians, and this, I mean, God's timing is awesome because now this is the week, this past Sunday, we studied the resurrection. So this week, we're going to look at the implications and answer a few questions about the resurrection. So we'll first off starting reading in verse 1. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So Paul starts off with the, he starts off saying, hey, I remind you, you got to stay fast, hold fast to the things that I preached. So Paul, what did you preach? The, quest, the first question we're going to ask and answer is, do you believe Christ rose bodily from the dead? So in verse 3 it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for the sins in accordance with the Scriptures that he was buried, that he raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. What I like about Paul is he's starting off by saying, when I came, I preached the gospel, and he gives us the three elements of the gospel, that Christ died, Christ was buried, and Christ rose again. If As believers, we have to be committed and convinced of the fact that Christ rose, that Christ died, Christ was buried, and that he rose. Anything other than that is not the gospel. So Paul says, I want you to be reminded and hold fast to these things that you have been taught. He mentioned how the Old Testament mentioned about these things. We know in, in Isaiah 53, the Bible says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We know that from the Old Testament. It speaks how Christ died for our sins. He was buried, uh, which, which shows us that it wasn't a swoon. It wasn't halfway dead. These were executioners. The Romans had killed people before, and you only bury things that are dead. So when he says that he was buried... <laughs> The Romans knew that Jesus was dead, so we have to confirm that Jesus was dead. Then the Bible says he rose from the dead on the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul is in the New Testament, so the Scriptures he's referring to is the Old Testament, right? So in the Old Testament, we see in Psalms 16.10, it says, For you were not... For you will not abandon my soul in hell or let your Holy One see corruption. In Hosea 6 and 2, Old Testament survey students will love. Uh, we went through some of these. Hosea 6 and 2 says, After two days he will revive us, and on the third day he will raise up that we may live before him. God testified of these things in the Old Testament. And Paul lets them know, I've preached these things to you, and they can be seen in the Old Testament. Testament. So, um, one, one means of indicating to the people that Christ rose from the dead, he's like, I preach this to you. The second reason that we can believe Christ rose from the dead, we can start at verse 5. The Bible says, and he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. At last of all, as to an untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace in which, uh, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. I like this because Paul is saying, hey, there is indeniable proof. The best witnesses are eyewitnesses. And I like how the Bible says he went to Cephas. Cephas is Peter. I'm glad that he went to Peter because previously Peter had denied Jesus three times. So one of the people that Jesus made sure to stop by was those that had denied him. He stopped by to see Cephas. Then the Bible says he stopped and saw all 500. There was a group of brothers. See, see, two people can fake it, three people. But if 500 people see Jesus raised from the dead, this is a proven fact. Jesus he not only stopped by and saw Cephas, and saw the 5,000, he stopped 500, he stopped by and he saw James. You know James? James was the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus stopped by to see his family. In John chapter 5 and 7, it says that Jesus' family didn't believe in it. So Jesus stopped by and said, you know what? I got to get my family. Some of us here are praying for our family. Jesus said, I, my resurrected body, I'm going to stop by and I'm going to see James. I'm going to go make sure my family hears the gospel and they can believe. You know, James went on to become the leader in the early church. That's the same James that wrote the book that's in your Bible called James. He saw the Lord and it changed him. Jesus stopped to see Cephas. He stopped to see the 500. He stopped to see James. Then the Bible says he appeared again to all the apostles. You know why he appeared again to the, all the apostles? Because there was one that wasn't there the first time. He says, you know what? I'm going back to get Thomas. Thomas was the one whose faith was weak. Thomas was the one that said, hey, unless I put my hands in his side, I won't believe it. And you know what Jesus did? He said, if this is where you are, I'll come to where you are. He came and he showed in front of Thomas. Then the Bible says Paul. Paul says, all these others, they saw him and he appeared to me as one out of season, as one that came to the party a little late. Is there anybody that came to the party a little late? And God said, you know what, I'm coming to get those ones as well. He came to Paul. And then Paul said, you know what? Because I persecuted the church, I'm going to go even harder. I've got to make us from lost time. I love it when God shows up to those people that used to run hard the other way, those people that ain't always been saved, the ones that did whatever they wanted to do and say what they wanted to say. Because when God turns them around, you know what they do? They go for Christ with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. God showed up to Paul as well. 
So the question was, do we still believe in the gospel? The answer, the appearance of the risen Christ to hundreds of people, to the apostles, to the family, shows that Jesus rose from the dead. And I'm glad he showed up to them, but my life changed when he showed up to me. When you've seen the risen Christ, your life changes, and you can walk in the resurrection power of Jesus. It's good when he shows up to others, but listen, my Bible says they saw and blessed are those who believe because they've seen, who, who have not seen, but more blessed are those who believe who have not seen. We got a church of people that believe, even though I didn't see him physically, but I know that Jesus rose from the dead. Our next question that we have to address tonight is why is Christ's resurrection so important, right? Why does this resurrection even matter? Well, what was happening in Corinth is that some false teachers or philosophers were teaching that there was no resurrection from the dead. You know, whenever the gospel is being preached, there's going to be some others that will come and say, that ain't true. You ain't got to believe all that. That's foolishness. We know that um, some Greeks did not believe that people's bodies were resurrected from the dead. They believed that, you know, the, your spirit left your body and it just forever um, existed around in space. And then later, even today, people believe that your spirit just leaves your body when you die. And then later, if you're reincarnated and you come back as a bird or a chicken or a roach or whatever, the Bible... <laughs> I thought that was right, the roach. But, right? So the people... <laughs> I should have stayed. Okay. So there are those even today that teach that the body leaves the spirit and just exists and never lives. It's disembodied, right? Well, Paul said that's not the gospel that we preach. We know even the Sadducees. I call them Sadducees because they did not believe in the resurrection. Now, how does Paul deal with those? He explains to us why Christ's resurrection is so important. Let's look at verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because he, we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead be not raised. For if the dead be not raised, not even, uh, not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul said the resurrection matters. Because if there is no resurrection, then what are we here for? Our 
preaching is empty. Our faith is empty. Because even in Romans, even in Romans 8, 9, and 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So, so our preaching is in vain if Christ didn't raise. Because if Christ didn't raise, that means he stayed in the grave. And if he stayed in the grave, he's just like any other religious leader. He's just like Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius. Anybody that said they were God, he was just a, a great teacher, but he's still dead. If Christ did not raise, then not only are we still in our sins, Christ was a liar. If Jesus did not raise, he was a liar. Because in 1 John 11, uh, in 1 John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. But if he didn't raise himself, then Jesus is a liar and our faith is in vain. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I also have the authority to pick it back up. If he didn't raise, he lied. Because that means he, he couldn't pick it back up. Whoa, why does this matter? Why do we have to believe in the resurrection? Because if Jesus didn't raise, then he can't give me eternal life. Because you can't give what you don't have. Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you didn't raise yourself, you don't have everlasting life. So you can't give it to me. But it goes even further. If Christ didn't raise, that means I'm still in my sin. That means I'm still in need of a Savior. And then he says in 18, if Christ didn't raise, then everybody that died is perished. There is no hope. Done. So... When people come and say, oh, it's not important that we believe in Christ's resurrection. Whoa, ho, ho, ho. we have to believe in Christ's resurrection. Paul says we are most pitiful because we show up every Sunday, Wednesday, especially the ones that come to Bible study. If you don't believe Jesus is right, then we are a pitiful bunch. But remember I said when Jesus rose, he went and saw Peter. Here's what Peter said in verse 1, 1 Peter 1, 3, 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. God showed up to Peter, and Peter said, I know that he has risen. And not only that, there's an inheritance waiting for me in heaven, and I have full faith 
in the hope and resurrection of God. Peter said in 1 Peter 3, verse 18, For Christ, who suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. See, when God shows up, you know that, hey, I'm not who I used to be. I have been made alive through the Spirit. Paul got it. Paul understood. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, yet no longer I live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. If God, because God has risen, because God is alive, now you can be alive. Because God is alive, he can, he can give me eternal life because he has eternal life. And now my faith is alive, my faith is active, and my faith is strong. And because God is alive, we can see what he's doing. Because Romans 8, 34 says, who is the condemned? Christ Jesus, who is the one who died. More than that, who rose. Now watch this. Here's what he's doing now that he's risen. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. See, a risen Christ is the one interceding for you. The one that took on your unrighteousness and gave you the righteousness of God. He's the one standing before the Father saying, Father, bless him because I took the curse. Bless him because his iniquity was placed on me. Jesus is now interceding before you because he has risen. So, did he rise? It was Jesus' death on the cross that paid the sacrifice for our sins. And it was the raising from the dead that proves that he was God and can give eternal life to those that believe in him. We do not have the hope that we shall live again, neither will we walk in newness of life if Jesus has not risen from the dead. So we answered the second question, does it matter? that Jesus rose? Yes, it does. There's a third question. Will we rise? Because we know Jesus rose. The third question is, will we rise? And Paul answered the question in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruit, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end where he delivers the kingdom of God. The Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Listen, I hope we are getting this. 
Shall will will the question is will we also rise from the dead? God uses this term here. He said, or Paul uses this term here. He says Jesus is the first fruit. So the first fruit is the first part of a larger harvest. I'm going to say this again. A first fruit is the first part of a larger harvest. When you give God the first, he blesses the rest. Now, I know many times we've heard that in the context of finances. When we give God the first, he blesses the rest. Well, in this context, the, at the harvest, they would take the first harvest and give it to, as an offering before the Lord because this is an act of faith. I don't have the second harvest yet. I don't have another harvest. I'm trusting God that if I trust him with the first, that he will bless the rest. We see in Scripture that, that this first fruit idea extends beyond um, just the harvest. We see that God expected the first lamb from the sheep. So he, they would give the first sheep so that the whole flock would be blessed. We know that God called Jericho a first fruit because it was the first cap, it was the first battle in the land. He gave Jericho and then the rest of the conquest was blessed. We see that God calls Israel the first fruit. He says, through Israel, the world will be blessed. He's showing up in Israel and he blesses the rest. So when God says, that Christ is the first fruit risen from the dead. If God accepted the first, he blessed the rest. So me, you, the rest of us, we will be, we will rise again. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren, and the rest of us will be blessed. And then Paul uses another example. Paul uses the example from the beginning, right? Paul talks about Adam. He says how in Adam all died, and in Christ all are made alive, right? So what I love about this is how this whole situation played out. Adam was the first man. Adam sinned. His spirit separated from God. His soul was corrupt. Um, his soul was corrupted because now he knew good and evil, and his body would one day die, right? Adam sinned. Separation happened. He knew good and evil, so his soul was corrupted, and then his body would one day die. The thing about, I like about God is when he saves, he saves to the othermost. There are no halfway salvations. There are no halfway salvations. So what God did, when he reverses the curse, he reverses the curse completely. Because once we are saved, our spirit is made alive. He sanctifies our soul through the word of God. And now we see that he will also renew the spiritual body, spirit, soul, and body. So every aspect that was affected by sin, God reversed it. And now the spirit, soul, and body will be redeemed because 
God doesn't save halfway. So my, my, um, my sin was taken away. My spirit is renewed. And one day, my body will be brand new. Because the Bible says he saves to the uttermost. Amen. What a great salvation we have. I know I'm pushing, but it's a lot of content. Are you getting it, though? I want to make sure you're still with me. Amen? Okay. Um, verse 27. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things were subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who has put all things in subjection under him. That God may be all in all. So when I read that, I say, well, let me read it again. I had to read it again. And then I had to read it again. And I say, let me read it in another translation. <laughs> so I also read it in the New Living Translation. So let's see what the New Living Translation says, because I want to make sure we don't miss this point. Same two verses. For the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when he says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then, when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave his Son authority of all things, will be utterly supreme and over everything. That cleared it up for me. Because now I see that God has given Jesus authority. And Jesus submitted himself unto God's authority. And now God controls all in all. So we see that the, uh, we talked a couple, a couple times back about how Jesus, um, how God is over Jesus, Right? So what we see here is just um, even though Christ has all power, he subjected himself under the Father and was obedient. Amen. Amen. Verse 9, verse 29. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? We are... Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain, if humanly speaking? I fought with beasts in Ephesus. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as it is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Paul goes on and he kind of circles back and lets us know if the resurrection of Christ isn't real or didn't happen, 
then the stuff we go through isn't worth it. Then we should take on the philosophy of the world because you only live once. And we see this philosophy present in society. But Paul says, I like this because I heard this all the time growing up as a kid. Now, in the ESV, it says bad company ruins good morals. But my mom used to always say, uh, evil communication corrupt good manners. That's King James. That's how she said, hey, evil communication corrupt good manners. And the thing was, if you hung around those who didn't believe in the gospel, it corrupts good manners. It creates bad behavior because if you're surrounding yourself with those that realize, hey, I only live once, live it up, turn up, do you, then (laughs) that leads to problems (laughs) because God says that there is the resurrection of the dead. There is a life after right now. So the answer, uh, so the question was, Will we also rise from the dead? And the answer is yes. You will rise from the dead and receive a glorified body. Jesus has been given authority in heaven and earth. Jesus has defeated death and will give a new body that is not under the curse of death to all that believe in him. So as we're going through these questions, it raises the question, well, if we are going to receive a new body, then what would that resurrection body be like? And Paul says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what, do you, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that it that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of the wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed to his own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star in glory. So Paul, as he's answering this question, he really starts off with nature. Paul says, there are all types of seeds. Right, so I got a little bit of, of apple seeds here. They're all types of seeds. And the question is, what is our resurrected body going to look like? And sometimes we look at it and say, well, we see this. And Paul's like, just because this is how it looks now, just because this is how your body looks now, it doesn't mean that's how it will stay. There will be an enhanced version of it. There will be a glorified version of it because God determines what the body of a thing looks like based on its purpose, its function, and its location. God determines what the body will look like based on its purpose, function, and location. 
God gave birds a certain body because they were meant for the air. God gave fish a certain body because they were meant for the water. God gave humans a certain body. They were meant for the earth, the sun, the moon, because they were meant for space. So, verse uh, 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable, what is, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in the natural body, it is raised in the spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And as was the man of death, so also are those who are of dust. And as the man of heaven, also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So listen, it doesn't matter if this body has back pain, knee pain, if you're wearing glasses, suffering dementia, fighting cancer, missing limbs, have living in movement, have sickness, chemical imbalance, deformities, hair loss, breathing issues, blood disease, skin disease, or even false teeth. <laughs> Because the Bible says that we will have a new body. Show, show, show the, and my new body, what is sown in corruption, will be raised in incorruption. What is sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. What is sown in weakness, and I saw a couple years as my mom passed from cancer, I saw a body get weaker and weaker. But I rejoice because the Bible says what is sown in weakness will be raised in power. What is sown in the natural will be raised spiritual. What was from the dust God will make from heaven. What will that new body look like? That new body will be what it takes for us to fulfill our purpose in heaven, which is to glorify God forevermore. It'll be a body that won't get sick. It'll be a body that'll live forever. It'll be a body that can enjoy the presence of God and will reflect his image. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we, our resurrected body will be imperishable. It will be glorious. It will be spiritual. And it will be heavenly. It will be a body that's suitable for heaven and earth. That answers the question, what will our bodies be like? Additionally, the Bible teaches us that our bodies will be recognizable will be identifiable. So when I say, hey, Brother Tommy, 
how you doing? Because I'll recognize Brother Tommy. I'll say, hey, Sister Andrea, how you doing? In our heavenly body, God is going to restore this body. Listen, when God made your body the first time, when God made the human body the first time, he said, it is good. It is sin that corrupted it. So when God renews it, he's going to give it back to you, but he'll give it back better, glorified, identifiable. So we'll praise it now. If you see me praise it now, wait till you see me praise it when I really can sing. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, hey. Woo. Last question. Well, Paul, when will we get this resurrected body? Because I'm looking forward to it now, Paul. Help me out, Paul, when I get this, this resurrection body. My knees are getting pretty bad. When I get this resurrection body, let me know, Paul. Paul says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead shall be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Your labor on this side is not in vain. Hallelujah. Philippians 3.20 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So when do we get that new body? At the second coming of Christ, when he comes to establish his kingdom on earth, he will rise the bodies of his believers so they can enjoy the presence of God forevermore. We're blessed by the word today. Mm -hmm.
I love doing the fact we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ because without it, our faith would be in vain. But because Christ died, I know that I have eternal life and this body will be turned into a glorified body to praise God forevermore. But not everybody has that assurance. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And if anyone watching online or someone in the house today has not confessed Jesus, then this is not your story. The Bible speaks of another resurrection. For the believer, it's the resurrection to a glorified body. And for the unbeliever, it's a resurrection unto judgment. Today, you have the opportunity to be, to accept Jesus Christ so that you will have the glorified body and can live with Christ in heaven. It's very simple. There's a simple prayer that if you believe in your heart, God is able to transfer you from darkness into light. If you believe that in your heart. Pray after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that I am a sinner. I realize that if I were to die in my sin, I do not have the promise of a resurrection. But Lord, I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe you raised him, and I ask God that you will forgive me and give me eternal life. If you prayed that prayer,